and welcome back to the Sabbatarianism podcast, a podcast by people who have read the Bible for people who have read the Bible. How about that? <laughs> yeah. This is episode 47 of the Sabbatarianism podcast. I am your host, Justin Hoos. I have with me my co-host, Mr. Richard Davis. Hello, Richard. Hello there. And Neil Saul has enjoyed being hosted so much that he joins us once again. Hello, Neil. Welcome. Let us host you. Good afternoon, gentlemen. <laughs> All right. So we are going to continue our study and uh, verse by verse through the book of 2 Corinthians or the letter of 2 Corinthians. Uh, we left off in chapter 10. We read that. And so we're going to pick back up in chapter 11. Do either of you have anything you want to cover before we uh, get into our study? No, I'd just like to say that chapter 10, we ended with Paul talking about where his authority was and where it was not uh, as far as the limits of what God had given him to do. He was didn't have authority over men's labors or what they did. But uh, he was there to serve them, and, but he hoped that when their faith was increased, he'd be increased by them, which would be a mutually beneficial thing. That's the way Christian, Christianity and Christian love should flow. And he ends up there in verse 17 by saying, But he who glories, making yourself important, let him glory in the Lord, for not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. And that's the theme uh, that he's on right then. And then in chapter 11, he begins to talk about some of these false teachers or false apostles and begins to make a comparison for the benefit of the people, not and, for his own sake. And he does so using a lot of sarcasm. Oh, yeah, he does. He's very sarcastic <laughs> here. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. well, that's good to know. Uh, Sometimes sarcasm doesn't always come out when you when you don't know the uh, subject matter quite as well as you guys do. So I appreciate that. Uh, so let's go ahead and pick up chapter 11 and verse 1. Go ahead, Richard. Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. And indeed, you do bear with me. For I'm jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that would be Christ, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. For if he come he who comes to comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you've not accepted, you may well put up with it. Now that's you know, hard in modern-day language. He's saying you may well tolerate it, something you may be able to tolerate. For I consider that I am not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles, even though I am untrained in speech, yet I'm not in knowledge. But we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. Did I commit sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted because I preach the gospel of God to you free of charge? That's a question. I robbed, or you could say he took inequitably from other churches, taking wages from them to minister to you. So he's talking about he not used taking, tithes from other churches or, or he, offerings from he, them yeah. so that he could come here and, and teach them. Yeah, he ate his daily bread from what other people were giving him in order to teach them knowing that, as he went out through it before in his letters, that if he took anything from them, these other guys were there to accuse him that he was there for their money. And he said he wasn't going to fall into that trap. And here he says that was robbing or taking inequitably from other churches in order to minister to you, because if he's doing work for them, he should eat of his labors. Okay, that's what the law said. But they were so generous in their giving that he had enough to then go on somewhere else with, with what they had given. Well, that's, that's the way it was turning out. Verse 9, And when I was present with you and in need, I was a burden to no one, for what I lacked the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied. 
He's further explaining it. And in everything, I kept myself from being burdensome to you. And so I will keep myself. Now, notice he didn't say, I did it. Now, everything's changed. Now, you need to pay me. He said, no, I will continue to do that as long as that's a, a problem or an issue. As the truth of Christ is in me, no one shall stop me from this boasting or in the regions of Acacia. Why? Because I do not love you? Question. That's a question. God knows. But what I do, I will also continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. In other words, they're out there trying to claim the same responsibility as Paul and the apostles and trying to find a way to, and boasting that they do have that authority and they do have that role and boasting in it and finding a way to frustrate what the truth is. Verse 13, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. There's a lot right there. Yeah. He, he's saying that specifically Corinth, but also I think we could all learn from this, that yes. Satan can, will, and does infiltrate gatherings. Yes, he does. and Churches, and, what, what we would call churches. Yeah, And in this case, they, it was from men who were exalting themselves above yes. the people, taking from the people, and trying to claim that that's what Paul was about, and to try to get the people to not listen to him. And in the, in the modern day, we would call those like ministers. So he, he, he was bringing people up in roles of authority to infiltrate. Yeah. Well, what the, back in verse 5, okay. what, what does the New King James use there for uh, those who are least inferior? Read that. I consider that I am not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles. Eminent apostles. <laughs> Here's some of the sarcasm because the ESV, English Standard Version, mm -hmm. uses the word super apostles. <laughs> and, and that's what these people were doing. They were coming in and claiming the apostleship that was never given to them. Yeah. And they were those deceitful workers that he's explaining at the end of that section. You know, it's, it's important to note right here while we're on that issue that those apostles who had the authority and the responsibility of laying the foundation of the New Testament church are dead long ago. As of right now or as of the writing of this letter? As of right now. Oh, yeah. John was probably the last one. And that was, what, 90 A.D. or something? Whenever it yeah. was, right. there are no others with right. that authority, and we have it right here before us. And anyone who comes along claiming that he's God's apostle and you need to listen to him and he's the one that's right, nobody else is right, get away from him. He's yeah. putting himself, where, and that's part of what Jude was talking about, putting yourself where you don't belong. It's We all have God's word, and we're all able to read it and to go through it and study it and God is able to open all minds just like Hebrews 8 said so what you're saying is the apostles still have that authority it's just in the pages of this book that That's we read right. over and they're over they're the only ones who ever did right it's not a descending thing where somebody today is carrying on the role of the apostles and they're the apostles the no the catholic church says they no. have no or in, not only the catholic church yeah. the catholic system yeah and even and many in the churches of God who do that. True. You know, they would say, like, we're sitting here talking back and forth. That's just our opinion. So they can't have anything to do with us. They've got to go someplace, uh, organization where there's a holy man there coming and preaching to you like he's God. And he's the only one that's teaching what's right. 
Now, that's the kind of people to stay away from. I mean, people who do that. Not people who run to that. They just need to learn to stop it. Yeah. 16. I say again, let no one think me a fool. If otherwise, at least receive me as a fool. That I also may boast a little. Because, you know, it's foolish to just begin boasting about yourself compared to someone else. Is this more of the sarcasm here? Yeah. Yeah, he's going to yeah. say, uh, let me play the fool for a while just yeah. to make a comparison. Chapter, verse 17. What I speak, I speak not according to the Lord, but as it were foolishly, in this confidence of boasting. Okay, they, in other words, he's going to compare himself to these other guys, and he says that's foolish, but he's going to play the game for a moment. But here's where he really gets sarcastic. Verse 18, seeing that many boast according to the flesh, I also will boast. For you put up with fools gladly, seeing you yourselves are wise. For you put up with it if one brings you into bondage under his control, if one devours you or takes from you, or diminishes you, if one, ta- that's what he said, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, or one strikes you in the face. Now, what does that mean? You know, in modern day language, he really said, I'm going to speak as a fool for a few minutes to make a comparison. But you shouldn't have a problem with that because you're educated people. Some of you may even have college degrees. And yet you're letting these men exalt themselves over you, taking from you in a way that diminishes you and exalts them and enriches them and impoverishes you and treating you harshly, and you're putting up with it. And maybe even want it to be so. Yeah, and that means Enjoying you... Enjoying it. And that means you suffer fools gladly, so you shouldn't have a problem with me speaking as a fool for a minute. That's really what he's saying. Verse 21, to our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. That shows. That's, that's who, who is he has ought with here or who is accusing him, I should say. Y- yes. Apparently, they, these guys were Israelites or Hebrews. Okay. Or Jews, whatever. Because Hebrew and Israelite are not necessarily the same thing. Yeah. So am I. Are they seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. And he begins to talk, list how he's a minister of Christ. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often, from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the city, in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? So he's saying, these are my qualifications as a minister or a servant of Christ. This is the evidence. Yeah. This is my evidence of what I've done. What have these guys done? Yeah. It's not who, what college did I go to? Right. What seminary or cemetery or whatever you call it did I, <laughs> <laughs> did I go to? What, you know, it's what have I done for you? How much I have sacrificed so that I can bring a better way of life to you. Can we back up for a sec? Sure. Earlier you said Hebrews and Israelites are not the same thing, and I just agreed with you, and I shouldn't have done that. I don't quite understand. Can you explain? Well, 
Hebrews were the children of Eber, who was an ancestor of Abraham. But there were other Hebrews that weren't Israelites. Israelites were the children of Jacob. You could say that the, uh, the Ishmaelites were Hebrews. They were of that ancestral line. Okay. And the children of Haran. The uh, I understand. Uh, you, you, you take Terah and, yeah. and all that came off of his tree. And, yeah. That's right. Whereas Israelites are not singled out till you get down to the lineage of Jacob, whose Who name was changed to Israel. Israel. Okay. You would say that Esau was a was a Hebrew, but he sure wasn't an Israelite. Gotcha. Same right. w- the same way Jews are Israelites, but they're, most Israelites are not Jews. Yeah. I don't care what the Jewish history says. It's been passed down to the sea people for a couple thousand years or more. So the law was not given to Hebrew, the Hebrew people. It was given to the Israelite people. That's right. Who happened to be Hebrews. That's right. Okay. All right, where are we? Verse 30? Yeah. If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under Aratus, the king, was guarding the city of Damascus with a garrison, desiring to arrest me, but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. Again, just further evidence of the things he's gone through as a witness to his ministry. That's true, but he's making a very, to discern the spirit here. Remember, that's one of the gifts. Mm -hmm. He's making a very clear comparison about how to discern a spirit, one who's truly a minister of Christ, in this case, an apostle of Christ, is one who's there to give up his life for your benefit. Not one who exalts himself, takes your money, preaches something to you, but it entices you into a relationship where he's over you, he's God's authority over you, and he gives decrees and throws you out of the church if you don't agree with him and about certain matters. I think people in the the church of god modern day would know what we're talking about there any relationship that enriches or enlarges them and diminishes you is putting you in a diminished state or suffering well and if you if you put those people between you and god then you set yourself up for being deceived by some new doctrine that comes along or or because they're you know, they know the truth and you don't and so on. Yes. Well, and he, he's giving us an example of agape here, right? Agape is servitude. Yes, that's right. And he's the, saying, here is how I have served you. Yes. How has that other guy served, those other people served you? All they've done from you is take from you. Exalt themselves over over you, take your money, diminish you in the relationship. That's That's a bondage relationship and it's false and it's wrong. That's not what a true preacher or minister of Christ does. And he, you know, goes through all these things. You know, if he were applying for a a job as a head of a church, that there's his credentials right there. The amount of time he suffered and what he went through and for other people. But he doesn't want to be head. He just wants to serve. Yeah. Okay, chapter 12. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I shouldn't. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of his body I do not know, God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven, and I know such a man, speaking of Christ, whether in the body or out of his body I do not know, God knows. How he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast, except in my infirmities, the things I've suffered. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool. He he had to speak as a fool for a minute in order to make a point, but he's saying he's not going to continue in that. For I will speak the truth, 
but I refrain lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. Now that's a very important thing. True servant of God, if he shows the fruits of God's love toward the people, or you hear from him the things which are to your good and benefit, that's the only value that he has as your servant. Okay. I mean, that's what he's saying. Did I do you good? Did I sacrifice for you? Okay. There's my qualifications. If I have a doctrine, a doctorate, doctor this or doctor that or degree this or study the Bible or ordination, that's meaningless. Yeah. These things right here are the only things Service. Servitude. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations that God had given him. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pled with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. It was obviously some physical infirmity. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made per- my God's strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, that's the theme in, in Paul's spirit and, not, and his attitude throughout back in the book of Romans where he talked about God's glory being magnified through his unrighteousness. Now, some, even though he said right there in the context he wasn't saying it's okay to sin because forgiveness shows God's glory. There were liars who said say certainly that. not. He was just saying, look at me, the good and what God has done through me. Now, that shows the glory of God. If he can do what he's done through me, through me, then how great God is, <laughs> you know. Yeah. These there are other people that are a lot better at things and a lot more learned than I am, but that doesn't say anything about God. It's just about the self righteousness. So these last three verses that you read here, eight, nine, and ten, those are really interesting to me because he's obviously pled to God three times. He says. That this infirmity, whatever it was, people speculate it was sight, uh, but he pled with God three times, and God's answer back was, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Yes. So, is what, this is my perception of it, and tell me if I'm wrong, uh, that God is saying that this will help Paul learn to use God's strength and not his own strength. I think so. You know, Paul continually had to rely on God to do what he did. But it also showed that, you know, it's it's hard for God's glory to be given through a man that's the the most uh, perfect speaker and eloquent and got all these talents and is there making a show of himself. God was doing this through a man who's willing to put up with anything and had some kind of infirmity that people didn't respect, and yet the fruits of God's love and truth were coming through him. That showed the glory of God. Yeah. That goes all the way back to Ezekiel 36, to the Testament, where God said, For my name's sake, I'm going to do this through you evil, wicked people. I'm going to take the heart of stone out of you. I'm going to put a heart of flesh in you. I'm going to put my spirit in you, and I'm going to cause you to do, to walk in my ways, to show forth God's glory. In other words, he's saying if anybody, for these people, Paul, who is a chief among sinners, that's what he said, and that's what he meant, to now be preaching the gospel of Christ, Boy, that's bound to be a miracle of God involved in that, wasn't it? And still be doing it after being shipwrecked three times and beaten and jailed. And, 
I mean, it's something that, that is very impressive about Paul is just the only way to stop him from preaching the gospel was to kill him. Well, I think that God would have resurrected him. <laughs> yeah. And when he was stoned, that may, may be what he actually did. Could be. And it just shows that in somebody like himself, he's saying, it shows God's glory. Right. Because that's the only explanation for it. I have a note in my Bible from the, the publishers, I guess, uh, on that statement there about my power is made perfect in weakness. Yeah. He says, uh, I find it interesting, the greater our weakness in suffering for Christ, the more grace God will give to accomplish his purposes. Well, it's shown through that grace. Yeah. But, but you know, he's not even taking uh, uh, credit for his weaknesses. It's like God, this is all how God works. He, you know, he, he... He takes the weak of the world. Yeah, he takes us that are weak and, and, he, and strengthens us for his purpose, not for our purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all God-oriented. It's not oriented toward ourselves. And that was a spiritual issue that Paul was dealing with here with these other guys. And that's what he says here in, in verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for the Messiah's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Yes. That's what he's saying right yeah. there. Yeah. What we and, just covered. And he was in a situation here like many of the churches of God have been in recent times. There's not a two-tiered level of Christians. Right. The holy ministers and the laity. There is the ecclesia and those who are not in the ecclesia, <laughs> and that's the only level. That's it. And there are different gifts that God gives all of us, not for importance of anybody, but for the service of others. And, and you're for better his off. purposes. Yes, if you're better off, if he has given you greater gifts, like sure. Paul said, strive to have them. But that doesn't make you more important. And it don't put you in Christ's seat or better than anybody else. And yes, God does give the double portion of his spirit for people at to certain people at times for certain things. But that doesn't make, that's not a higher level of, of Christian. And it doesn't show that he loves that person more. No. It's just he decided to do it for his reasons. That's right. It shows his glory, not that person's. Right. Verse 11, I have become a fool in boasting. You have compelled me, for I ought to have been committed by you, for in nothing was I behind the most eminent apostles, though I am nothing. Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance, and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. For what is it in which you were inferior to other churches, except that I myself was not burdensome to you? Forgive me this wrong. There's some sarcasm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I picked up on it that time. Yeah. Yeah. Forgive me for not taking your money uh, or taking from you. But he did it for their wrong, for their good. And he'll make a point here. It's very important. Verse 14, now for the third time I'm ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I do not seek yours for some great... Your money, your yeah, gifts, your... Yeah, for yeah. some great commission I have to do that you owe me, or you owe God, and thereby give it to me, it's giving it to God. That's abominable. For I do not seek yours, but you. And here it is. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents but the parents for the children. A parent, any good parent, would willingly feed and give up their life for their child. They're not there to live off of the child. And with that spirit, we go back to the foolish shepherd, the one who feeds the flock for slaughter. Is that in Zechariah? That's in Zechariah 11. Okay. Yeah. I remember you talking about it. Take to take from yep. them from some great preaching the gospel. Okay, yeah, we should preach the gospel, but that's not the way it should truly work. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. 
But be that as it may, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you with cunning or with guile. Did I take advantage of you by any of those whom I sent to you? I urged Titus and sent our brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? The answer obviously is no. Did we not walk in the same spirit? Do we not walk in the same step? Did we not walk in the same steps? Again, do you think that we excuse ourselves to you? We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, beloved, for your edification. And I fear lest when I come I shall not find you such as I wish, and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish, lest there be contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults, lest when I come again my God will humble me among you, and I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and have not repented of the uncleanness, fornication, and lewdness which they have practiced. So, He's making a clear point to a minister or anybody who wants to be of service, true service to God. You don't do it for any exalted purpose of yourself or any self-promotion or anything that you can get from others. Yes, there's a right and a wrong. And there was nothing wrong with Paul eating of anything that they might have given him. But there was something there that was more important than that. That's the point he's putting across. Anything we need to go through on that before we hit chapter 13? Is it, did I pick up that he intended to go to them a third time? He says he that. He says yeah, that, yeah. right? Uh-huh. That's when I come. Where was it? Verse yeah. 14. Verse 20. My glass is not working real good today. Yeah, but he sent Titus. He sent others. He he's done a lot of work in Corinth. Yes, he has. Yeah, in verse one of chapter thirteen, this will be the third yeah, time I'm coming to you. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word will be established. Now he's quoting there the law from the, the law of Moses or Deuteronomy, where in one. When one man goes to court against another. And this is why you shall not bear false witness. Yeah. There must be justice. That's true. And and a thing is established by two or three witnesses. But I've seen that whole abuse. Mm. I've seen men who take the approach that if you can't find anything but once in the Bible, that you can't say that that's the truth. Because you have to. You have to have at least two or three witnesses in order to say that's true. Well, that is concerning two people who are in court against each other, which is what's happening An accusation has been made. an accusation by men against men. Uh, When Satan was taken up, I mean, Christ was taken up by Satan, During the temptation? Yeah. He said to Satan, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And he didn't say that God needs two or three witnesses. Yeah, so long as he said it twice. (laughs) And I think he's quoting Isaiah when he says that. So there's your second witness, (laughs) that God doesn't need two or three witnesses. When he says it, it's true. I have told you before, verse 2, and I foretell as if I were present the second time, and now being absent I write to those who have sinned before and to all the rest, that if I come again I will not spare, since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, who is not weak toward you but mighty in you. For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. And he's referring back to these people who were in the last two verses of the previous chapter, backbiting ambitions, uh, whispering selfish ambitions and all this. 
which was the real issue here that was under my, uh, the reason that was underneath all this stuff. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do not know your, do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. Now I pray to God that you do no evil, not that you should appear approved, but that you should do what is honorable, to do what is really right and honorable, not for appearance, though we may seem disqualified. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. And this also we pray that you may be made complete. Therefore I write these things being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness according to the authority which the Lord has given me for edification and not for destruction. Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Boy, Paul, really, you're dealing with a lot of stuff here. Yes, well, this list here in verse 19 and 20 through 21 of chapter 12 was things that were going on there. Contentions, jealousy, outbursts, arguing, selfish ambitions. People in the church that want to be somewhat or be important or exalt themselves or take from other people. And, you know, of course, Paul was being criticized by those folks. And that kind of spirit, discern the spirit. There's no place to that in God's church. And it seems like he's dealing with the same thing over and over and over again. Infiltration into leadership positions in the churches that he's setting up. That that people are coming in, like in Galatians. He, it was people talking about how you needed um, the law in order to have salvation. And he, he just, man, he, he's a really... Uh, well, they want the old order. Yeah, they because, want to control, yeah. keep their control. Because that that exalted the leadership. He's just got a lot of patience and a lot of stick to uh, Yeah. He's an impressive guy. Yeah, he's just trying to tell them they need to all do what Christ said to do and get out of Christ's way and let him handle with each individual what he wants. Well, he also, uh, you know, acknowledged that Satan's ministers are among them, and Satan's active in the world, and and it, infiltrating the church. Right, and, and he hasn't stopped doing that. He still no, does it today. He still does it today. Discern the spirits. That's yes. one of the gifts of the spirits. Where are you coming from with that? You know, what are you trying to do? What's the end result of this attitude? Yeah. What's behind it? All right, that was Second Corinthians. Uh, we're yeah, we're only 30, 40 minutes in. I, I think we got some time, and we talked before we hit record here that if we had time, we'd go ahead and try and tackle the book of Jude, which is a very interesting book, but a very short book. Um, Richard, do you want to read through Jude, and, and we can talk about it as we go, or would you rather one of us read, or what do you want to do? I don't care. I'll read it if you want me to. Yeah, I'd like that. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning the common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Really important statement. Yes. Quoted a lot. Because it's been much perverted down through the centuries. For certain men have crept in unnoticed or unawares, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. 
ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into, it says here, lewdness or lawlessness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Turning the grace of God into an absence of God's law and God's order is denying him. That's heresy. Well, and he's... Yes. Men have crept in un, Unaware. unnoticed. I mean, here we are again, right? We just talked about that yeah. with Paul. Yeah, because it's the same thing. Now, how right. did they manage to do it? That's right. the matter. That's the issue. And how can we recognize them in the modern day? Yes. But I want to remind you, verse 5, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, that's the word, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now, I want you to notice something beginning in verse 6. Here's the spirit, the wrong spirit, that precipitated this. The angels who did not keep their proper domain, their proper place. So they went from... They wanted to be something different than what God had given them to be. They began to pervert that and look at something else that was enticing to them. Verse 8. Likewise, also, these dreamers, the ones he's talking about now in the church, defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. I think if you look at the authorized King James, it says, they defile the flesh, they despise authority and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation and said, The Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally like brute beasts in the things they corrupt themselves. And these things, woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. They have run greedily in the air of Balaam for profit and perished in the, it says rebellion here. I think gainsay is a, it's in the authorized King James is a better word of Korah. Talking about when Korah tried to mm-hmm. basically infiltrate the priesthood, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and is that who's being spoken of here? Is is these men that are trying to infiltrate? That's right. He's they, back on that. They despise dominion. That's what that that uh, uh, I think verse eight said in the authorized King James. They despise dominion. Well, that means they reject authority. That's that's what you see here. But I believe that word, if I'm correct, is the same word that's used back here in verse six, where it says. They did not keep their proper domain. And that word means village or dwelling place. In other so words, they wanted more than what God had right. given them. They despise their proper role that God has given them and want to be something he has not. And that's what the angels did, and that's what these men are doing. They're for the greedy purpose of money, the way of Cain, which is lawlessness, Want to make up his own right and wrong and do it his way. You know, what God's commandments specifically say are not good enough. We have to play politics and we have to change the Sabbath. We have to change all sorts of things in order for the common good or for bipartisanship, which is lukewarmness. So that we can fit into the world. That's right. They have to compromise. And for money, numbers, and in that rebellion of Korah, Korah was wanting to be a priest. If you go back and look at, which we won't take the time to do, in that incident in the book of Exodus, Korah was plainly told that his problem was that he sought the priesthood. 
He was a Levite, but he wasn't a priest, and he sought the priesthood. Well, we only have one priest, high priest, and that's Christ. Yeah. Why does anybody want to sit in his seat? It's hard enough to manage your own life rather than try to manage both yours and everybody else's. Well, it's for money, power, greed. And self, control of other men. Yes, yeah, self-promotion. That's right. what Jude is getting at here. These spirits, despising what God gave you to do for, for godly love for others, for self-importance. They do for self instead of do for others. Yeah, they see something yeah. that appeals to them like these angels of old did, despise where they're put and the limits God has put on them, and they want to do something else. Can I ask about the uh, verse 9? Can you? Well, I'd like to ask about verse 9. Uh, Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against... What is this a story that I'm not remembering? I, when, did, when is this talked about where Michael the archangel contended with the devil over the body of Moses? I'm not sure. And okay. I don't know that's in the Word of God, per se. Other than this. Yes. But okay. we, we do know that uh, it, it tells us that, that Moses' body was buried, and I believe it says, by God. So that nobody would use... It's up in a mountain, right? Yeah. At the end of Deuteronomy. Right. Okay. But the important thing there that he's talking about is that Michael did not condemn the devil or Satan, he said, that's up to God to do it. He wouldn't put himself in a place that was over him at that time. That was God's responsibility to take care of. He said, the, the Lord rebuke you. Okay. And that took care of it. And he's getting right to the core of what we've been talking about in Second Corinthians. Yeah, he really is. Same problem. Yes. Verse 12, these are spots in your love feast while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, laid autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now he's talking about the spirits that are behind these people that are doing this. Now Enoch, the servant from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust and their mouth, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. Just the opposite of what Paul said. Paul yes. said, I'm not speaking to you eloquently. Those guys yeah. are. They have the slick tongues. Because they want the advantage, and they want the money, and they want the themselves. importance. Yeah, and you have to ask any minister, why are you doing that? Yeah. You know, Paul said, I don't do it of my own will. I do it because woe unto me if I don't. Yeah, and his yes. evidence was being beaten and shipwrecked yeah. and all that other stuff. Yeah, he didn't have a motive behind it. Quick correction, though. Uh, in verse 14, now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, you had said servant of Adam, but oh, did I? I, I know that. Well, today I just want to. You know how I am. <laughs> <laughs> he was the seventh down from Adam, like yeah. in, in the genealogy. Yeah. And of course, people get off into the book of Enoch. Uh, that whatever book it was that uh, Jude was talking about there, I don't think exists today. We have the book of Enoch, but those, if you read them, you know they're not inspired and things in them that are not true. And we have everything we need in here. That's really. right. We that's, really do. That's all we have. 
Verse 17, But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who cause divisions not having the Spirit. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody that wants to cause division is of a wrong spirit. If you, you don't have to agree about everything to not be divided. Verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. So have compassion and make a distinction about those that can't be saved, but pull anyone who who can out of the fire and correct them. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. I was telling you guys, I I saw a guy do five hours (laughs) on the book of Jude. Uh, I I think there is a lot to Jude. It's an interesting letter, but uh, five hours is... uh, just not necessary there. Um, anything you want to add here, Neil? Or well, yes, Jude, Jude had a certain certain things he wanted to talk he about. He got right to and it, and it took one page. Yeah, he got right to it. It's interesting. He doesn't, you know. It says at the beginning, "To those who are called, beloved in God, the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ." That could have been anybody in in the church, but. You got to wonder if this letter that wasn't sent to Corinth. Yeah, I was. I was just wondering where who this letter was addressed to. I mean, it just says Jude, but he doesn't really address his his audience there in the beginning. Truly, I think he was sending it to us in this day and age. <laughs> <laughs> it's timeless. Yeah. You know, back in Zechariah eleven, when God says, "I will send a false shepherd and a true shepherd." He's dealing with false shepherds here and how to recognize it. All right. It doesn't mean they don't have some truth. Yeah, yeah. But if that's what they're there for, to take from others and to be important, eventually that double lens is going to bring darkness into the equation. Well, I think the world is telling us that it's time for the podcast to end. We have uh, we got, we got road work going on outside, and now I think we're being once again accosted by... Uh, <laughs> leaf blowers so we thank you guys and we'll talk to everyone next time bye-bye